in our first service this morning, I mentioned that we were having an all-age service. And we made these. And it might give you a bit of a clue as to what we're going to be thinking about this morning. Luckily, we haven't had any of this yet. I'm not sure whether I prefer this or what we've had, the rain. Neither, really. I'm sure we can all agree that we're incredibly different people. I'm not the same as you, and you're not the same as me. We're unique, and we've got to thank God for that. The world would be a very, very boring place if we were all the same, wouldn't it? Like our snowflake, each of us can, can, be, uh, can be compared to that one tiny flake of snow that falls. Each snowflake is unique. They all have six sides, but those six sides create something of a unique beauty. They float up and down, and when they become too heavy, they finally fall to the ground. In the same way, there's no one else in the world like you. There has never been anyone just like you. There will never be anyone else just like you. God created you and formed you according to his perfect plan and purpose for your life. Every snowflake begins with a dirty speck of dust. As it collects moisture from the air, the speck of dust is covered and concealed. At its core, however, it's still a dirty speck of dust. But it's become something beautiful. With a little snow, the whole landscape can be transformed into a white and pristine background. All the dirt is covered, and the world is transformed into something delightful. But under that snow, all the muck and imperfections are still there. And in just a few hours of sunlight, they'll be revealed again. Scripture tells us that, the man, that man was also formed from dust. But God has made us into something beautiful. Though each snowflake is beautiful... They will all one day melt away and will be gone without leaving any trace of what they were behind. One cup of water can make 10 million snowflakes and combined together with others, they can blanket the countryside in a beautiful white blanket. But the very next day, things could be a muddy mess. Yet even from the muddy mess, they may provide water of life for others. Those snowflakes, when they fall to the earth, they become one. They cover the grounds. They look beautiful as a collective. We, like the snowflakes, individually, are beautiful and unique creations. But we're all here this morning with the same purpose. That purpose is to meet with Jesus together, collectively worshipping him. We are different, yet we're all made in the image of God. Some of the very first words in the Bible in Genesis tell us that. They say, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Sometimes, however, I watch the news or I read the newspapers and I'm shocked that people who are made in the image of a loving God are capable of some of the things they do. Like the snowflakes, they become messy and taint the landscape how then can we be more like Jesus? How can we more closely model our lives on him? 
How can we honestly look in the mirror at the end of the day and think, you know what, I really tried to act like Jesus today. To understand these answers to these questions, we need to look at the scriptures. We need to understand what the Bible tells us about Jesus and the way he lived his life, the characteristics of Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, the reading that we just heard, we find the disciples talking with Jesus, asking his permission to sit alongside him in heaven. They're almost arrogantly assuming that because they're Jesus' followers and friends, those places will be reserved for them. However, as Jesus does quite a lot, he flips this question on its head. He explains that those who consider themselves to be important, such as those who rule over the Gentiles and exercise authority over them, perhaps the people who would expect the best kind of treatment, will not get what they're after. He tells the disciples that whoever wants to become great amongst them must become a servant. And those who want to be first must become a slave to all. He ends by saying this. He says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus knew what lay ahead of him. He spoke these words of prophecy to demonstrate that even him as God's Son, wasn't here to get preferential treatment. He was here to serve and eventually die for each one of us, a ransom for many. So part of Jesus' character was that of a servant king. If you think about the most influential Christians that have ever walked this earth, it's probably those who have taken this servant attitude who have shone the brightest in the darkness of our world. Mother Teresa once said these words, If you want a love message to be heard, it's got to be sent out. To keep a lamp burning, we have to keep putting oil in it. The Christian message is one of a loving God. There is no message more wrapped in love. And if we are truly dedicated to telling people about that saving love, we need to be out there serving our communities, our workplaces and our world. Letting that light shine out through us. To model our lives on Christ, we need to serve just as he did. Jesus was humble. The Jews had been waiting for years to be liberated. They were waiting for a mighty king to come to earth to break the shackles they were bound by. God could have come to earth as a mighty warrior king. He could have chosen to live the life of luxury like a king would be expected. However, that wasn't the message he wanted to send. He wanted us to be a loving people. He wanted each and every one of us to fall in love with him and want to worship him. He didn't want merciless killing just to set one group of people free. He wanted everyone to be free because of his amazing love for them. We can sometimes be far too aware of our status. We can want to impress people with all the things we own or our position in the community, or in our workplace. Human beings have become very materialistic, and we crave the admiration and respect of those around us. Often we love it if someone is jealous because of what we have. Looking more like Jesus, though, means that we don't worry about how much we do or we don't have. We're called to be humble like him. Not to boast, but to offer all we are to his mission here on the earth. Jesus came to build people up. 
He didn't choose the obvious candidates to become his closest friends and disciples. He chose very average and ordinary people. It's really easy to choose the people to help with tasks because of their intellect, their physicality, or their enthusiasm. But do you think that's the way that Jesus would have done things? In my role as a youth worker, I'm surrounded by amazing and gifted young people. But some of those who shine the brightest and amaze me the most are the ones who have been given up on, the ones who have been expelled from school, others that have lasted no longer than one session in any youth group that they've been to before. They've never been trusted with responsibility. They've never been trusted to undertake these tasks. And yet, when you give them that trust, they can amaze and astound you in their ability. The disciples were a bit like this. Society wasn't really bothered about these people. Society isn't bothered about people with an antisocial behaviour or the people who have been expelled from their schools. But Jesus saw beyond that. And I like to think, like some of our young people, they amazed and astounded those around them. Of course, Jesus knew that they would. He's a God of giving people opportunities and second chances. He's forgiving. And in order to look more like him, we need to be as well. Jesus tells us himself what it means to look more like him. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12, the Beatitudes, they say these, these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, When people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. None of those things sound easy to me. They all sound really quite difficult. It's hard to think that we're blessed when each of these things happen in our lives, isn't it? But actually, Jesus displayed all of these things during his time here on the earth. He was meek but not mild. He was hungry for righteousness. He was merciful when perhaps it would have been easy not to be. He was pure in heart. He was a peacemaker. He was most definitely persecuted and insulted and ultimately despised so much that he was put to death because of us and for us. If we can display even half of those characteristics on a daily basis, we're going to be well on our way to becoming more like Christ. Now, obviously, those things are really hard to achieve on a day-to-day basis, and we're going to slip up. But as we know, one of Christ's characteristics is that his love for us and his desire to forgive us is there. If we can turn to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, 
I tried, I slipped up today. Tomorrow I'll try again. And if we can truly mean those words, we're forgiven. And that's the amazing thing about Jesus' grace. Like those snowflakes, we're all a little bit messy on the inside. We've all got things that we've done and said that we're not proud of. We've all got that messiness. But we're also totally unique in every way. When we come together we, to worship Jesus, we become this beautiful blanket of snow. If we truly want to model our lives more closely on Christ, we have to be willing to undertake learning from Christ's characteristics and trying to think in every situation the words that used to be on those wristbands, what would Jesus do? In every situation we need to think those words. Would Jesus act like this? What would Jesus do? I finish with some words from 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. It says this. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Let us go out from this place today wanting to walk together as Jesus did.